So uh, my privilege this morning to do the last little part of this series that we've been doing on our identity. Remember Helen started talking about the fact that we are loved and we are chosen. And then Clive did a message on we are forgiven. And I'm going to do a message on this morning that we are free. Yes. If you've never heard that as a Christian before, then I'm really sad that you haven't heard that as a Christian before. That's the main reason Jesus came, was to set us free. That's, the, that's what he came to do, was to set us free. And we're going to look at one of my favorite books this morning. We're going to look at Galatians. If you've got your Bible on your phone or if you'd like to watch on the screen, we're going to look at five verses in the beginning of Galatians. It says this, very simple. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you. That if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Wow. Again, I declare that any man who lets himself be circumcised, is, he is obligated to obey the whole law. You, who are trying to be justified by the law, have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await faith, by faith, the righteousness for which we hope. Wow, this should just cause you to go, yeah, like that. Absolutely, it should. This is good, good news. Um, And in this amazing book of of Galatians, what um, Paul is repeatedly trying to drum into these Christians in Galatia is that we do not need to fear any condemnation. Uh, because of not keeping the law, we are righteous. That's made completely right with God because of Jesus by faith. And that's what he's appealing to these guys over and over again to get into their heads. And I want to appeal to you this morning again that we don't have to look to anything except Jesus in our lives. And I chose that song carefully this morning, Be My Everything, because it really is about Jesus. Jesus must become Everything to us, in our waking, in our sleeping, in our mourning, in our grieving, in our joy, on the mountaintop, in the valley, Jesus must become everything. He is everything. This is the message of the gospel. You don't need anything else in your life except Jesus, by the power of His Spirit, working in you to do a good work. And what God has begun when you were born again, He will Bring to completion one day when you are glorified with him and with every Christian that has ever believed. This is extremely good news. Now, I found this when people hear the simple truth that all you need is Jesus, they say, it's too good to be true. Is it that easy? I mean, all I have to do is believe in Jesus by faith. You see, I think... People get frightened when they hear that message because then they can think like this, well, does that mean I, I can just do anything? I can live in every way that I want and, and it's, all that counts is Jesus. Well, when I think when you f- first hear the gospel message, it might seem to be like that and it might seem to be that people are saying you don't have any incentive anymore to live a, a holy life. But that's why this passage today is so vital and so important. Paul wants us to understand that the gospel brings us fear, uh, uh, freedom from fear, 
the fear of death, the fear of punishment, the fear of anything else you want to add, depression, addiction, all these things, uh, perhaps there are people struggling with same-sex attraction. God has come to give you freedom from all of these things. It's by freedom that Christ has come to set us free. This is why it's so um, critical. And he wants us to understand that the same God who's freed us like that by grace from everything that is a bondage to us also leads us to obey him and not simply to please ourselves. That's Christian freedom, is living for others, and learning to live like that. So the first thing here I want to emphasize this morning, this verse is really a summary of what Paul has been trying to say in this whole book, and he says this radical thing. It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. Now, in the Greek, it's actually said as strongly as is possible. Both the verb and the noun are freedom. In other words, for freedom, Christ freed you. The goal, the whole thing that Jesus wanted to do was to set you free. And so that's why he's freed you, so that you can be free in every area of your life. Isn't that good news? That's what he's saying. For freedom, Christ has set you free. And it literally means that in the Greek. And so everything about the Christian message is freedom. <laughs> Jesus, his whole mission was one of liberation to set us free from sin, to set us free from the power of death, to set us free from everything that holds us back so that we can learn to walk by the Spirit and live by the Spirit and increasingly become more and more free. Isn't that wonderful? More and more free. You are freer now than you've ever been, and I hope you will learn to become increasingly free in your life. And what is Paul's appeal? Secondly, he says... He says, actually, in the same verse, he's, he's implying that this freedom, you can lose this freedom. Even though it's a free gift from heaven, even though it's lavished on your life, he says you can, you, you can, you can, um, you can lose it. Why does he say that? Because he says, stand firm and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So he's actually saying, you can lose this sense of freedom in your life. It can be lost. And he said it so strongly at the beginning of the verse that he now qualifies it. And so there are two implications of what I'm trying to say this morning. First, to keep free, we must, every one of us, learn to stand firm. To keep free, we must learn to stand firm. And Paul says that repeatedly in other letters, like in Corinthians and Philippians. And the word here, stand firm, it's really like a... It's like a military word. It's, it's got that implication. Uh, it, has, it, has in, in, it, it, it kind of means to be alert, to strengthen yourself, to work with others. That's in, all, is, all of that is implied in standing firm. That's how we stand firm. And so despite the fact that we've, we've been saved by grace, we have to be diligent. We have to work at helping ourselves to remember that nothing else must push in in our lives and rob that freedom that Jesus has bought for us. That's what he's saying. And so you've heard me say many times, you can't lose your salvation. Once you're saved, once you're born again, you can't be unborn again again. Once you're saved, once the spiritual man is alive, it's always alive. But what you can lose, what you can lose is your inheritance and you can allow yourself again to come under a yoke of fear which becomes a slavery in your life. And that's what Paul is saying here. So in 1 John 2.19, it says this, if anyone turns their back on faith, he, uh, John says, 
They were not of us, for if there had been, they would have continued with us. What is John saying? He's saying a very simple thing. That you are saved by grace as a Christian, and you show that you are saved by grace in continuing to trust grace in your life day by day and moment by moment. And those that fall away from trusting in grace never knew grace in the first place. That's, that's what, what he's saying. So why is it so important? Because as you begin to live as a Christian, you don't add a little bit of legalism to your life. You know, Christians like to do that. And sometimes, sometimes church leaders like to do that. They, they try and add a little bit of legalism to the message of freedom that we have just to make sure that people stay in line, just to make sure that they don't behave badly. So they say we're free from the moral law, but then they preach a lot about being, uh, do not commit adultery, do not do this, do not do that, do not do this. Do not, and, and they major on those things as if that's the most important thing in the world. Actually, that's just part of all of God's law. The main thing is, that Christ has set you free from sin and death and the penalty of death. And if you love the Holy Spirit in your life and you continue to trust in the grace of God day by day, moment by moment, you're not going to commit adultery. You're not. You're going to love your wife. You're going to parent your children well. Every moment of the day, you're going to say, Jesus, how should I respond right now? Help, you, help me to hear the voice of your Spirit so I can respond well. You know where I find it really and I've been involved in church for a long time. It's really weird to me that we still say to people, you must tithe. <laughs> I don't say that anymore. Is it good to give generously? Absolutely. Is it a good foundation in your life to give 10% of your income? Yes, it is. Absolutely. But it seems really weird to me to say that to God's people, you are free in every area of your life except this one, tithe 10%. Why? Am I saying we shouldn't be generous? No, I'm not. I've seen people in this church give extraordinarily way beyond 10%, miles more, because they want to, because they love God. So I'm not saying don't give. I'm saying don't let yourself come under that, that law. Um, you know? Or what other um, leaders will do is this. You must come to the prayer meeting. If you do not come to the prayer meeting, the engine room of this church is the prayer meeting. What's the implication? If I don't come to the prayer meeting, um, I'm not helping the church to go forward. And so people feel, oh boy, I better come to the prayer meeting. And so then people faithfully come pray? Is it good to pray? Of course it is good to pray. Do we need to pray? Yes, we need to pray. Always, everywhere, at all times. But don't let yourself be put under any law. I want you to come to pray because Jesus is in your heart and you want to pray and you want to give him glory and you want to hear from him. That's why you should come to the prayer meeting. The message of the gospel is radical. You have absolute freedom in Christ. And you see, Paul knew what he was talking about because what he is saying, what he's implying by this verse, he's saying any religious law is slavery. That's what he's saying. Do not be burdened again by a religious law that puts you back as a slave. He's saying that's what religious laws do. They make you a slave. And in his time, 
the practice was common for Jewish rabbis to say to their um, disciples that they were taking on the yoke of Moses. That's what they talked about. We're coming under the yoke of Moses' teaching in our life. And what does Jesus say in Matthew 11? That was a common phrase used by Jewish rabbis. What does Jesus say in Matthew eleven twenty nine? 29? Take my yoke upon you, my yoke, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly, and you will find rest for your soul. How many of you want rest for your soul? I want to say to you, you're not going to find rest for your soul by praying a lot and, and uh thinking that you have to obey a whole moral code of a whole lot of laws. You're not going to find rest for yourself. That's going to make you a slave. <laughs> what you need to do is allow Jesus to come and make residence in your heart and make his home within you and to let the Holy Spirit motivate you from the inside out. That's what Paul is saying. That's good news. What about Acts 15.10? When uh, Luke records these words, he says, Therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor that we have been able to bear? He's recording that, speaking to the Pharisees. Why are you putting this stuff on us? Our fathers couldn't bear it. We can't bear it. Why are you doing it? Why are you putting us again under this yoke of slavery? And Paul says to us, don't allow yourself in any area of your life. It's for freedom you have been set free. Don't let anyone, including me, put you under any kind of law. You are free. That's what Jesus came for. And so, Paul is also making a, another radical, radical claim. Remember, these Galatians were pagans. They worshipped idols. They made images out of stone and in the temples, and they worshipped them. It's called idolatry. Paul is really saying here that pagan idolatry is the same as religious moralism. He's saying they're the same thing. They are as bad as, as, as each other. If you are putting your trust in an idol, in the same way if you put your trust in religious law, it's as bad as each other. They bring death to you. You are slave to worshiping an idol and you are slave to religious law. Don't allow yourself to be a slave any longer. You are free in Christ. Wow. So he's saying, in modern language, I could put it like this. He's saying to be an amoral liberal. You know, liberals say, don't put anything on me. I just want to do my own thing. I'm free. Don't, there's, no, there's no restraint for me. That's liberalism. That's, that's amoral liberalism. He's saying it's, the, it's as bad as moral legalism. No, you live by the Spirit. You don't, you don't allow yourself to be put under any moral law that is a slave, that beats you like a slave. Are you with me? Some of you are looking a bit nervous. What is this guy going to carry on ranting here? But here's the, here's the thing. Paul says the sign of, the sign of slavery is actually a, quite a small little thing. It's a little thing. Not a big thing, a little thing. And I was thinking about this. You know, today uh, we use symbols and things to signify our allegiance to different things, don't we? Man United supporters wear a certain jumper. You can wear, you can raise a flag, you can have badges as a motorbike rider to say that you have a Holly Davidson or whatever. We, we, we signify our allegiance to things by symbols, don't we? That's how we live. And there's all sorts of other labels right now. 
that people label themselves with. You know, I'm, I'm this, I'm non-binary, I'm asexual, I'm this, I'm that, I'm that, I'm this. So many labels that are changing all the time. And there's something similar that Paul is saying here. He's saying to these people, the sign that you're putting yourself under slavery again is actually a small little thing. It's circumcision. That's the label. That's the sign. That's what's signifying that you're coming under slavery again is that you allow yourself to be circumcised. Don't do it. Don't. Don't take on any other label other than the sonship that you have in Christ Jesus. That's what he's saying. It's a radical thing. It is, uh, and Paul says, if you're trying to live free of anxiety, how many of you are trying to live free from anxiety? How, how many of you think that this world in which we're living is incredibly anxious? <laughs> this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, if you put your trust into any other label that defines you, except the fact that you are a son or a daughter, you are bringing yourself under again the slave of anxiety and depression and never knowing that you've done enough and how can I ever make sure that I'm a, a good person if you allow yourself to be labeled in any way other than son or daughter of the Most High God, you will always be anxious, depressed, free, uh, and never free from fear. And Paul is saying you might as well go back and be a pagan because this gospel has got no advantage to you if you allow yourself to come under that sign. This, my friends, is radical. If you allow yourself to come under those things, you'll be touchy, insecure, full of pride, looking down on other people that don't see things the way that you do. You'll be discouraged, you'll be wary, and you'll never, never, never know that you're good enough in God's eyes if you allow yourself to come under any other label except I am a son I am a daughter of the Most High God. And so it's as crucial for Galatians as it is for us. My encouragement to you this morning is will you allow Jesus to become your treasure? Will you allow Jesus to become everything? Will you allow him to be the one in whom you find full, full, full forgiveness? You find complete fulfillment or will you keep on trying by many other methods to keep rules, to allow labels to be put on you so that in those things you can try and find security and fulfillment? Paul is saying it's never going to happen. I hope you're glad you came this morning because this is good news. So then if Paul is saying all you need is Jesus, all you need is his spirit, what benefit is Jesus to us? Well, I want to give you a couple of things. First, Jesus teaches you. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus teaches you every moment of every day. That's the most amazing advantage to us. He shows us all the things that we need to know. He leads us to grow in wisdom. He gives us the mind of Christ. He enables us to become more and more like him. That's what he does for us. And so to know Jesus in that way means that you don't live on tradition or moral rules from Moses or anybody else, Christ becomes everything to you. Otherwise, we lose the benefit of who Jesus is. Yeah, that's what he's saying. Second, Jesus not only teaches us, he also feeds us. He leads us in our inner life, in our inner man. I love to use this phrase, the hidden person of the heart. That's who I want to know in your life. The hidden person in the heart, the born-again the born person on the inside. 
I mean, you see this body with the bald head and the little paunch and think, well, that's ant. Well, yes, this is my physical shell, but inside there's a hidden person that you can't see that's alive, that's becoming more and more like Jesus, wants to know him more. And that's what Paul is talking about. He's talking about the hidden person of the heart that Jesus feeds the inner person of the heart, that the inner person of the heart doesn't just become a, remain a baby. And Paul's not being insulting when he says, grow up. Don't always remain a baby. Don't always be impatient and unkind and think unkind things about people and people who disagree with you. Just dismiss them. That's being a baby, says Paul. I don't want you to be a baby anymore. Grow up, spiritual man, hidden person of the heart. Become strong in Christ. Be an adult so you can be a blessing to other people. Come on now. That's what growing up is. So that you can not just be someone who's fed all the time. Feed me, Seymour. Feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. Help me, help me, help me. Do you ever see a little shop, shop, shop of horrors? That's it. Feed me, Seymour. Plant. Feed, 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 feed. Only concerned about himself. Becoming a mature Christian is not feed me, Seymour. It's how can I feed you? How can I be a blessing to you? How can I help you to become the person that God wants you to be? Amen. That's what Paul is saying. Third, Jesus guards our decisions. If you ask him, he'll always show you what you need to do and where you need to go. He's the one that motivates. He strengthens our will, our determination. Fourth, he shapes our circumstances. We sang about it this morning. Everything in our lives is under the sovereign hand of God. Nothing that's happening in the world right now surprises God, and everything is under the context of his will that he's allowed, and we can rest in that, that he is sovereign over all things, and he leads us forward into our lives. And Paul's point, my encouragement to you is this, that if you lose that reality of Jesus of our, in your life by trusting in other things, you begin to turn away from Christ, you begin to fall away from grace and depend on other things. And Paul says, the moment you start doing that, you turn away from grace and start depending on other things, Christ is of no benefit to you whatsoever. Man, it's powerful. And so I'll finish with this. You can't pick and choose what you want from the law. <laughs> Isn't that what Paul says? He says, if you, want, if you want to be circumcised, if you want to take on that little sign, if you want to take a label, then you must live under the whole of the law. You can't pick what you like and dismiss what you don't like. Isn't that how people read the Bible? Oh, I like this part. Yeah, I, I agree with that part. I'll take that part. That part, don't like. Doesn't fit into our culture. No, 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 no benefit to me. Well, Paul says, you, you can't do that with the word and you can't do that with the law. If you want to come under the whole law of Moses, then come under the whole law of Moses. You can't just pick one little piece and say, I like that piece. I don't like all the other stuff. No, there's only one person who perfectly fulfilled the law of Moses. Who was he? Jesus. And so you and I, we don't come under the law. We put our faith into Jesus, our trust into Jesus by his grace. And as we live by grace and we live by faith, what is the promise of the scripture to us? We automatically fulfill all of the law of Moses anyway. When you walk by the Spirit, you automatically fulfill the law anyway. What a place of freedom. It's such, such good news. I want to encourage you. Listen to the voice of your Spirit in your life. And so these people in Galatia, they were coming under intimidation 
by other Christians that were, were quite nationalistic. They were quite superior. They were quite super spiritual. They said, no, you have to become like us. You know, Paul, he's, he's like a good guy. You know, I mean, plants churches and he's done stuff, but he's not really spiritual. You know, he doesn't have power. You know, when he prays for people, they don't get healed. Well, that's not true, but Paul prayed for many people. But that's the implication. He's not quite as spiritual as we are. If you have people like that in church, always make you feel like you're not saved. Super spiritual ones. <laughs> Paul says, all you need is to put your faith in Jesus the grace that you received, keep on living by that grace. Don't allow anyone to put a yoke of slavery onto you. And of course, I'm gonna, I must say this. There's nothing wrong with God's law, with his holy law. And I, I, I hope you don't think us. The problem is that people that are love the law, that are religious, are often unkind, angry, unforgiving, full of gossip, full of slander. Why? Because they are so certain they've got it right that they're doing everything properly. They look down on everyone else who doesn't meet their needs, their expectations. Isn't that what religion does? We see it all over the world. One group of Muslims killing another group of Muslims. Why? Because you don't keep the law like Allah says, so we'll kill you. And Christians are the same. You don't see things like me cancel you. Won't have anything to do with you. So friends, we have to grow up in Christ. Amen. Let this be a church where we don't tolerate any slander and gossip and hate. Why? Because we love the Holy Spirit. Where the Holy Spirit is, there's freedom, there's love, there's forgiveness, there's grace, there's kindness. You always think the best of others when the grace of God is motivating you and encouraging you. So Paul's conclusion, if you start with circumcision, if you give into that little symbol, it's a disaster, and you come under the whole of the law, and you are severed from Christ, you are fallen away from grace. So to end, verse 5, what's the two-way forward then? Well, Paul says the two-way forward is to persist by faith and eagerly hope and await for that hope of righteousness that is to come. So he's not, he's not really talking here about the end times. He's not talking about that day of resurrection when he says we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. He's not talking about the second coming. Remember, why do I say that? Because he's in the middle of trying to help these people understand what the benefits of believing in Jesus are. Jesus plus nothing. He's trying to convince them. You only need Jesus. He's not talking about then. He's talking about now. And so he's saying, this is the hope of godly living. You want to live a godly life. You want to live that pleases Je uh, life that um, pleases Jesus? It's not living by rules. It's opening your ears and hearing the voice of, your, of the Spirit in your life and putting your trust into God speaking to you and whatever He says, to persist in whatever He says to you. By persistent faith, we wait for the righteousness that is to come. And so, we were saved by grace. We must continue in grace. We were saved by the Holy Spirit, as a gift in our lives. We must continue by the Holy Spirit in our lives. We must, every moment of every day, do all that we can to say, Jesus, what are you saying to me today? Holy Spirit, what are you saying? I want to do that thing. Paul says, as you persist in that way, you're storing up for treasure in heaven for yourself that you will inherit 
on that final day. And do you know what that does for me? It does this. I can relax. I can be myself. I don't have to worry about anyone thinking anything of me. Some people like me, some people don't. You know what? It doesn't matter. Why? Because Jesus says, I'm a son. I'm his son. That's the most important thing. And so all of you, all of us, can live a relaxed, joyful, Christian life as we simply depend on God's grace, his kindness, and his spirit in our lives, and we don't have to fear anything else. Man, that is such good news. I want to say this over every one of you. I can put it this way. You are right now sitting in your chair, if you know Jesus, you are as loved, as chosen, as forgiven, and as honored by God right now as you sit in your chair, as you will be one day when you are perfectly radiant, glorified, and risen with Him. Isn't that an incredible thought? He can't love you anymore. He can't choose you anymore. He can't forgive you anymore as you already are right now. I want that to sink into you this morning. You are as loved, chosen, forgiven, and honored by God right now as you will be one day when you are perfectly radiant and glorified and risen together with Christ. You can relax. Don't have to try. All you have to do is soften your heart to the Spirit. Open your ears and obey what He's called you to do. Paul says again, in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. It's beautiful. You don't need any label in your life. You don't need to be, identify yourself in any way other than this. I am a son. I am a daughter of the Most High God. And that changes everything. I can live happy, relaxed, confident, because that's how God sees me. Amen.